Hello, listeners. Welcome back to The One and Only Ivan by Catherine Applegate. We are, this is Miss O.D. reading aloud, and we are on page 161. If you're following along in a book, it's titled A Bad Dream. And if you recall last time, Julia gave Ivan a gift of some finger paint. Here we go. I lie awake, peeling dried red paint off my fingertips. Bob, who accidentally walked on one of my paintings, is licking his red paws. Every so often, I glance over at the empty ring. The claw stick glints in the moonlight. Stop! Stop! No! Ruby's frantic cries startle me. Ruby! I call. You're having a bad dream. You're okay. You're safe. Where's Stella? She asks, gulping air. And before I can answer, she says, Never mind. I remember now. Go back to sleep, Ruby, I say. You've had a hard day. I can't go back to sleep, she says. I'm afraid I'll have the same dream. There was a sharp stick, and it hurt. I look at Bob, and he looks back at me. Oh, Ruby says. Oh, Mac. She puts her trunk between the bars. Do you think? She hesitates. Do you think Mac is mad because I hurt him today? I consider lying, but gorillas are terrible liars. Probably, I finally say. He ran away after that, Ruby says. Bob gives a scornful laugh. (laughs) Crawled away is more like it. We are quiet for a while. Branches claw at the roof. A light rain drums. One of the parrots murmurs something in her sleep. Ruby breaks the silence. Ivan, I smell something funny. He can't help it, Bob says. I believe she's referring to the finger paints Julia gave me, I say. What are finger paints? Ruby asks. You make pictures with them, I explain. Could you make a picture of me? Maybe someday. I remember Julia's picture, the one that will be worth a million dollars, and I hold it up to the glass. Look, it's you. Julia made it. It's hard to see, Ruby says. There's not much moonlight. Why do I have two trunks? I examine the picture. Uh, Those are feet. Why do I have two feet? Mm, That's called artistic license, Bob says. Ooh, wrong voice. That's called artistic license, Bob says. Sorry about that. Ruby sighs. Could you tell me another story? She asks. I don't think I can ever go back to sleep. Mm, I told you all I remember, 
I say with a helpless shrug. Then tell me a new story, she says. Make something up. I try to think, but my thoughts keep returning to Mac and his claw stick. Anything yet? Ruby asks. I'm working on it. Ivan? Ruby presses. Bob said you are going to save me. Uh, I, I, I search for true words. I'm working on that too. Ivan? Ruby says in a voice so low I can barely hear her. I have another question. I can tell from the sound of her voice that this will be a question I don't want to answer. Ruby taps her trunk against the rusty iron bars of her door. Do you think, she asks, that I'll die in this domain someday like Aunt Stella? Once again, I consider lying, but when I look at Ruby, the half-formed words die in my throat. Not if I can help it, I say instead. I feel something tighten in my chest, something dark and hot. And it's not a domain, I add. And I pause and then I say it. It's a cage. The Story I look at the ring layered with fresh sawdust. I look at the skylight, at the half-hidden moon. I just thought of a story, I say. Is it a made-up story or a true one? Ruby asks. True, I say. I hope. Ruby leans against the bars. Her eyes hold the pale moon in them, the way a still pond holds stars. Once upon a time, I say, there was a, a baby elephant. And she was smart and brave, and she needed to go to a place called a zoo. What's a zoo? Ruby asks. A zoo, Ruby, is a place where humans make amends. A good zoo is a place where humans care for animals and keep them safe. Did the baby elephant get to the zoo? Ruby asks softly, and I don't answer right away. Yes, I say at last. How did she get there? Ruby asks. She had a friend, I say. A friend who made a promise. How? It takes a long time, but finally Ruby returns to sleep. Ivan, Bob whispers, yawning. <sighs> what you said about the zoo, how are you going to do it? And suddenly I feel as if I could sleep for a thousand days. I don't know, I admit. You'll think of something, Bob says confidently, his voice trailing off as his eyes close. What if I don't, I ask, but Bob is already asleep. His little red feet dance, and I know he's running in his dreams. Remembering. Bob and Ruby sleep on. 
I don't sleep. I think about the promise I made to Stella and the pictures I've made for Ruby. And I remember. I remember it all. What they did. We were clinging to our mother, my sister and I, when the humans killed her. They shot my father next. And then they chopped off their hands and their feet and their heads. Something else to buy. There is a cluttered, musty store near my cage. They sell an ashtray there. It is made from the hand of a gorilla. Another Ivan. When morning comes and the parking lot glimmers with dew, I see the billboard on the highway, and there I am. The one and only Ivan bathed in the pink light of dawn, and I look so angry with my furrowed brow and clenched fists. I look the way my father did the day the men came. I am, I suppose, a peaceful sort. Mostly, I watch the world go by and think about naps and bananas and yogurt raisins. But inside me, hidden, is another Ivan. He could tear a grown man's limbs off his body. And in the flicker of time, it takes a snake's tongue to taste the air he could taste revenge. He is the Ivan on the billboard. I stare at the one and only Ivan, at the faded picture of Stella. And I remember George and Mac on their ladders, adding the picture of Ruby to bring new visitors to the Exit 8 Big Top Mall and Video Arcade. I remember the story Ruby told, the one where the villagers came to her rescue. And I hear Stella's kind, wise voice. Humans can surprise you sometime. I looked at my fingers coated in red paint, the color of blood, and I know how to keep my promise. Days. During the days, I wait, and during the nights, I paint. I worry when Mac takes Ruby into the ring. He carries the claw stick with him at all time, all the time now. He doesn't use it. He doesn't have to. Ruby isn't fighting back anymore. She does whatever Mac asks. Nights. I close my eyes and I dip my fingers into the paint. And when I'm done with one piece of paper, I set it aside to dry. It's so small, just one sheet, and I'm going to need so many. So I move on to the next, and the next, and the next. It's a giant puzzle, and I'm making the pieces one by one. By morning, my floor is covered with paintings. I hide the paintings under my pool of dirty water before Mac can see them. I don't want them to end up in the gift store selling for $20 a piece. 25 with frame. These paintings are for Ruby. Every one of them.
project. Ivan? Ruby asks one morning when I'm trying to nap. Why are you always so sleepy during the day? I've been working on a project at night, I tell her. What's a project? Mm, it's a thing. A, a painting. It, it's, it's a painting for you, actually, I answer. Ruby looks pleased. Can I see it? Not yet. Ruby pokes with annoyance at her roped foot. And she takes a breath. <sighs> Ivan, do I have to do the shows with Mac today? I'm afraid so. I'm sorry, Ruby. And Ruby dips her trunk in her water bucket. That's okay, she says. I already knew the answer. Not right. It's night again and everyone's asleep. And I look at the picture I've just made. One of dozens. It's smudged and torn, a muddy blur. I place it beside the others lining my floor. The colors are wrong. The shapes are off. It looks like nothing. It's not what I'm trying to create. It's not what it's meant to be. It's not right, and I don't know why. Across the parking lot, the billboard beckons as it always does. Come to the big or come to the Exit 8 Big Top Mall and Video Arcade, home of the one and only Ivan Mighty Silverback. Oh, if I could use human words to say what I needed to say, that this would all be so easy. Instead, I have my pots of paint and my ragged pages. I sigh. My fingertips glow like jungle flowers. And I try again. Going nowhere. I watch Ruby plod around the ring in endless circles. Going nowhere. More visitors have been coming, but not many. Max says Ruby's not picking up the slack after all. He says he's cutting back on our food. He says he's turning off the heat at night to save money. Ruby looks thinner to me. More wrinkled than Stella ever was. Do you think Ruby's eaten enough? I ask Bob. I don't know, but I'll tell you one thing, though. You're sure as heck painting enough. Bob wrinkles his nose. That stench is unbelievable. And I found yellow paint in my tail this morning. Bob isn't happy about my night painting. He says it's unnatural. Now, while I work at my art, Bob sleeps on knot tag. He claims he prefers her because she doesn't snore. And he says her belly doesn't rise and fall and make him seasick. What is this plan of yours anyway? Bob asks. If you explained it to me, I could help out. He gnaws at his tail. Maybe I could come up with something that doesn't involve, you know, paint. I can't explain it, I tell him. It's an idea in my head. But I can't get it right. And anyway, I'm almost out of supplies. I mean, I should have known I wouldn't have enough. 
Mm, I kick at my tire swing. It's spattered with drops of blue paint. It's a stupid idea. I doubt that, Bob says. Smelly, yes. Stupid, never. Bad guys. Most of the day I doze. Late in the afternoon, Mac approaches. Bob slips under knot tag. He prefers to keep a low profile around Mac. Mac's gaze falls on my pool. In a corner of one of my paintings is visible. What's that, big guy? He asks. And I calmly eat an orange, ignoring him, but my heart is racing. Matt kicks at my plastic pool, and underneath it are all the paintings. Mac yanks out on, uh, yanks on a piece of paper, and it slips out easily, and he doesn't seem to notice the other paintings. The page is striped with green, which is what happens when blue paint and yellow paint get together. It's supposed to be a patch of grass. Not bad. Where'd you get the paint anyway? George's kid? He considers. Hmm, I'll bet I can get 30 for this picture. Maybe even 40. Mac turns on my TV. It's a Western. There's a human with a big hat and a small gun. He has a shiny star pinned to his chest. That means he's the sheriff and he will be getting rid of all the bad guys. If this sells quick, I'm getting you some more of that paint, buddy, Mac says. He walks away with my painting, Ruby's painting. For a moment, I imagine what it would feel like to be the sheriff. Add. Good news, huh? Bob says when Mac's out of earshot. It looks like you might be getting some more supplies. I don't want to paint for Mac, I say. I'm painting for Ruby. You can do both, Bob says. You're an artist, after all. While I watch the movie, I try to come up with a new hiding place for my paintings. Maybe, I think, I could fold them once they're dry and stuff them into knot tag. It's a long movie. At the end, the sheriff marries the woman who owns the saloon which is a watering hole for humans, but not horses. It's been a long time since I've seen a Western that was also a romance. I liked that movie, I say to Bob. Too many horses, not enough dogs, he comments. An ad comes on. I don't understand ads. They're not like Westerns where you know where, who the bad guy is supposed to be. And they're hardly ever romantic, unless the man and the woman are brushing their teeth before they face lick. I watch an ad for underarm deodorant. How do you know who's who if they don't smell? I ask Bob. Humans reek, Bob replies. They just don't notice because they have incompetent noses. Another ad comes on, and I see children and their parents buying tickets, just like the ticket Mac sells. 
They laugh, enjoying their ice cream cones as they walk down a path. They pause to watch two sleepy-eyed cats, huge and striped, dozing in long grass. Tigers, I know, because I saw them on a nature show once. Words flash on the screen, accompanied by a drawing of a red giraffe. And the giraffe vanishes, and I see a human family staring at another kind of family. Elephants, old and young. And they're surrounded by rocks and trees and grass and room to wander. It's a wild cage, a zoo. And I see where it begins and where it ends. The wall that says you are this and we are that. And that is how it will always be. It's not a perfect place. Even in just a few fleeting seconds on my TV screen, I can see that. A perfect place would not need walls, but it's the place I need. I gaze at the elephants, and then I look over at Ruby, small and alone. Before the ad ends, I try to remember every last detail. Rocks, trees, tails, trunks. It's the picture I need to paint. Imagining is different now when I paint. I'm not painting what I see in front of me, a banana, an apple. I'm painting what I see in my head, things that don't exist, at least not yet. Not tag. I pull out not tag stuffing and carefully I fill her with my paintings hiding them so Mac won't sell them. She's large, bigger than Bob, but I still have to crumple a few of them. Bob tries to settle on her for a nap. You've killed her, he complains. I had to, I say. I miss your stomach, Bob admits. It's so spacious. When Julie arrives, she notices that I've used up my paints and paper. Wow, Julia shakes her head. You are one serious artist, Ivan. And I'm going to stop there for today. Thanks for listening.